I was going for a Twin Peaks Red Room <laughs> kind of thing. I, that worked too well. I'm actually kind of impressed by myself, but you know, that's, that's normal, you know what I'm saying? No, um, yeah, that worked too well. I, I'm kind of flabbergasted. I'm kind of blown away. It's. You know, like reversing audio, it shouldn't work as well as it does, but fuck. I mean, you saw the results. I said something backwards, and it came out kind of the same. It's really cool. You know, it's just really cool how sound works and how easily I can reverse, you know, uh, uh, clips and snips of things on modern technology. We're just, we live in a time, okay? We live in a time. We live in a time where... Your host, Noah Davis, can bring you the WatchCast, where he watches anything he wants and then tells you about it. So let's get straight to it. I watched Blade 1. You know, Blade, Daywalker, Vampire Killer, Half Vampire, Half Human, Blade Man, Wesley Snipes. That's a movie. It's a fun and pivotal movie, I think, especially for the superhero genre and honestly, just cinema nowadays as a whole. I think it's hilarious that... I would call Blade 1 pivotal, but it really is. I mean, no matter how you cut it, it's pivotal. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's almost the sole reason we're in this whole superhero, whatever, atrophy or fatigue, whatever you want to call it, because Blade 1 was the first one that made a ton of money. I do believe Blade 1 was before everything. I, I, I can't think of a big superhero movie before Blade 1. So you have Wesley Snipes and the team who made Blade to thank for where we're at now. It's a movie. I love the aesthetic that late 90s, everything's leather aesthetic and Blade's outfit and the redesign of Blade is off. Oh, man, that's so good how they they literally redesigned a character and that redesign was so influential that the character became that. That was just that character. And then everybody was just, yeah, yeah, that's, that's Blade. Whoever... The Blade design before that, that's not Blade. People would look at the design before the Blade movies and promo stuff, and they would think, who is that? That's just a man, that's just a man in a leather jacket, you know? <laughs> He's just in biker garb. He looks like Ghost Rider, but with a face. Now, or sorry, after the movie, that's Blade. And it's a fun movie. It's not perfect by any means, but it's got a lot of heart. It's got a lot of heart, and it tried a lot. It, it did a lot of things that almost paved way for Spider-Man 1, really, in a, in a weird way. I mean, if you watch the movie, it's almost clear. It's not even a weird way, but when I just talk about it, it is kind of a weird way, whether it be just the action shots or how everything moves, just that 
that flow it has. It doesn't really stay still, and that's kind of what those Spider-Man movies tried to accomplish, I think. They did have some slow, you know, every movie has some slow, or most every movie has some slow parts, but it does have that just early superhero movie flow that every other early superhero movie after would borrow. It would have that same flow, even if, you know, the movie might be garbage, like original Hulk. Garbage. But it borrows from that flow and just how that whole movie plays out. So it's just kind of fun to go back and watch Blade. I might watch Blade too. I don't know. Next up, Winning Time. New episode, episode six, I believe. This might be the best episode yet, period. Either in the season or maybe in the show because of the direction. There are some amazingly cool sequences in this episode that just leave you in awe. I think I was talking last week or two weeks ago about how I just love the vibe and the aesthetic and everything they've pulled off and the feel of the show, the atmosphere, that that vibe, you know, that's that's the best way to say it is the vibe. So it's amazing when it pays off even more than I already had gotten used to, you know, this episode had just amazing fake one shot sequences where it would transition to different basketball games. Like it would track the basketball and go to different basketball games throughout the season that they're currently on, but they went through like two seasons and two episodes. So, you know, whatever. It's awesome. Direction's awesome. There's, I mean, there has to be different directors every season or, you know, every episode. So whoever the showrunner is, I will look that up. They deserve not all the credit, but I think they have done a phenomenal job in winning time in the show. I talked about it enough last time, so I won't really get into the nitty gritty. All I'll say is last week's episode, this week's episode was maybe the best one yet. So go watch that show now, you know, go do it, go or else, or else something bad will happen to somebody. Yeah, totally random. You don't even get a choice. If you don't watch it, something bad just randomly happens to somebody and it's your fault. It's on your conscience. Okay. Okay. Next up, Ahsoka. That episode was so rad. Last week's episode, sorry, because this is going to be uploaded right now and the episode comes out tonight. So I'm going to be a week late. It doesn't matter. Last week's episode so rad. It felt like a mini Kurosawa film. There were just, it was all payoff. <laughs> there was almost no buildup and it was the better for it. There was, there aren't any crazy character developments. Actually, there was actually a really cool character choice, not really development. There aren't really crazy character developments. There wasn't a ton of exposition at all. There wasn't any background info information. And yet it was so freaking rad and so cool to watch that I could rewatch that episode. No problem whatsoever. The other episodes I might be like, well, I'm kind of not snooze fest because I do like the show, but when you compare it to such a cool episode as this, it's, it's kind of setting the bar. So I kind of hope the quality keeps up with this. There are stakes at play that this episode implies yet doesn't really. Yeah, I guess it does kind of spell it out. Now that I think about it anyways, <laughs> it's a dope episode. It's better than the entirety of the sequel trilogy. I think we know my thoughts on that. Ahsoka has been better than the sequel trilogy. Andor is better than the sequel trilogy. Hell, Kenobi is better than the sequel trilogy. And I didn't really love Kenobi. So that tells you where I'm at with that trilogy. But awesome, awesome, awesome. We got even more Ray Stevenson. Last week I said, I want more Ray Stevenson. And that's exactly what we got. And I love it. Rosario Dawson's killing it as 
you know, Ahsoka, uh, the lady playing Sabine's awesome. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is great as Hera. I don't know why Hera brought her son to a mission with her. I feel like there was a, a scene missing where her son like snuck aboard or something, but no, she just brought her son to a dangerous mission. I don't, I don't really get that one. That's not really a problem with the episode. That's just a problem with why the fuck would you bring your 10 year old kid to a military <laughs> exercise or, you know, that's <laughs> Hey son, I'm getting deployed to the, I sign up for the army. I'm getting deployed. Come along with me. You know, like what are you doing with your son there? If I, it didn't even, it didn't even do anything for the plot. You know, like I would understand if, um, no, I don't know any context as to why she would bring her son, but let's say she brought her son and the son got captured. That would lead to a, a, <laughs> an actual reason, a plot reason why she would bring her son. You know, the writers had to get from A to B, but that doesn't happen. She just brought her son along just for the, the Easter egg and the wink to rebels. I don't even, I don't get it. I, I don't understand. It's an amazing episode and it's just the smallest little thing, but it's still kind of confusing. Nonetheless, it's, it's just, it makes you think why, 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 you know? And there's really not much to say about the episode because it was so clean cut and simple. There wasn't any BS. There wasn't, it's not like, oh, too much talky talk. That's not how I roll. I love some talky talk. You know, Succession, Mad Men. I like some talky talk. Uh, fuck, The Young Pope, first season of The Young Pope, one of the best seasons of TV, and that's all talky talk. But usually when Star Wars does talky talk, it's very simple. It's very not unintelligible, obviously, because, you know, there's it's a simplistic plot, but it's almost nonsense. It's it's vapid and fleeting and shallow. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot to cover in the Star Wars universe, yet they don't really say anything important, and they never do, no matter what movie, show, or anything. It feels as though no character says really anything that important. And it's just it's kind of funny. But whatever. Ahsoka episode awesome. Go watch that. Or something bad will happen. That's the threat. Just everything I like that you don't watch, something bad's going to happen to somebody random. So keep that in mind. It's your fault. Next up, what we do in the Shadows season finale. Great finale. Not really sure what to say about the show other than that's a great show. And again, <laughs> you need to watch it. It's It was weird because the finale came out the same day as the penultimate episode came out. And that's never good when your show has a two episode finale. That, that's, that's just not a good sign. Two episode premiere. That's a good sign. Two episode finale. That's, that seems like they wanted to burn it and get out. So I'm kind of afraid for the next season of it getting renewed. I'm kind of, I'm kind of afraid. I'll be honest. I hope and pray it gets another season because of course I'll watch it next year. But the fact that they did it that way, it doesn't bode well, I don't think, for any show. Hopefully, they've already announced the season six or seven, and I'm unaware of it. You know, I, I really pray that's the case. I'll look it up after this, and hopefully there's a season six or seven. But the way they ended it, or the way they released the ending, makes you believe it might have not gotten the viewers that FX wanted or, you know, set the benchmark that hit the benchmark that they wanted. So, I don't know, you know, it's kind of up in the air, I guess. Nothing really to do about it. I did finish Rebels. I guess I'll talk about... I, did I not talk about that? 
Oh yeah, because it was like three episodes. I finished the last three episodes of Rebels. Um, last season still kind of sucked. Um, I'm gonna stick with everything I said last time, but I want to add something. Why does Ezra, you know, when he goes from normal Ezra to actual character back to normal Ezra, you know, Ezra, why does Ezra not kill people like stormtroopers? Okay, he'll see a stormtrooper and he'll like force push him or he'll punch him or he'll get his lightsaber and cut their blaster and boom. They're done for, you know, that's it. They're knocked out or they're disarmed or whatever. So Ezra does that. And you're like, okay, Ezra's like Batman. I get it. Yeah. But then within the same show, they blow up a star destroyer and it's like, guys, a star destroyer has like 30,000 people on it. I would assume a thousand of those are family members and children of the workers and the nurseries for the workers. They have to have some sort of parental care within that 30,000 person man ship. There has to be some sort of group that's not just soldiers and Ezra and co are just murdering every single one. They blow up the star destroyer and like, yeah, chopper crash that into the fucking star destroyer. High five. And so it's weird to me that Rebels did the thing where, oh, if they are in a ship, they can die. They can get murdered. They can get mutilated. They can blow up. They can suffer a terrible, terrible end to their lives. But the second they get out of the ship, oh, you can't do that. You can't kill somebody. You can't. You can't do that. Oh, you push him off the edge. He's not dead. He's not dead. Like, I get censorship, but you're still murdering people. It doesn't make sense in the within the story that you gave us. Ezra's not a murderer. Yet when Chopper murders 30,000 people, Ezra says, hell yeah, and high fives of them. I mean, not hell yeah, but you know, he's happy. And he's like, go Chopper. And it just makes you think he's a murderer when he can't see people, but he's not a murderer when he can see people. That just feels a little hypocritical and makes the Ezra character even dumber than he became. Yeah, I said it. Ezra's a bad character. I don't care what any Rebels fan tells me or wants to tell me. He went backwards. No character should go backwards unless specified through development. But he just went backwards for no reason because season four. I have no idea. I have no idea. He just went backwards. And that's just, that sucks. So, what, the last three episodes? Yes. The last episode, that doesn't feel like a finale. And it's funny because the VO, the voiceover, in the last episode did more plot work than almost the entire show. <laughs> I truly, 100% believe, more happened in that last voiceover outro than 20 fucking episodes of the show. So it's funny that they're able to convey storylines and developments when they can skip around but when they have the opportunity to skip around and do that, they choose not to, I, you know, like it's so weird seeing an outro that seems more fleshed out than the entire season that, I mean, the whole season didn't really make sense to me. I talked about last week, so I'm not going to go over it again, but it's just odd that the finale in the last five minutes does more groundwork than fucking <laughs> half the show, maybe even the whole show. I mean, it does a ton of groundwork and it's just, three minutes or five minutes of outro and boom, you're done. Show's over. So yeah, you know, all right. The next up, 
This one I actually forgot about. I watched last week, but I'm going to tack it on this week. Strange Days of the Movie. I'm not going to talk about the movie because it made me really uncomfortable. It reminds me of Reminiscence, where it's a neo-noir trying to capture a genre but put it in the future. Yeah, I get it. You know, I get it. Um, But this movie... As good as it was, I don't think I'd ever recommend it to anybody in my entire life. I think I've talked about Berserk before, but Berserk, there was a a character reason for me to never suggest the show ever. I will never suggest Berserk to anyone without huge asterisk. But this movie, I don't know if there was a reason for the assault, I'll just say, the assault that happened, like... There's not a reason to show that, and it did, and it's just kind of, I don't know, guys. It just feels bad. <laughs> you know, it just feels bad. I didn't like watching it. I was watching a friend with a friend, and he refused to watch the scene. So it's just, I, I'm just going to say I watched Strange Days, and then I'm never going to think about it ever again. Although, uh, what's his face? Ray Fiennes. He's awesome. Ray Fiennes is awesome. He's great in everything he's in. But that doesn't change the fact that I will never recommend this movie to anybody. And lastly, I watched the entirety or the only season of The Shrink Next Door, which is Apple Plus's Will Ferrell, Paul Rudd, dramedy show thing about an unorthodox shrink, if you will. It's, it's odd watching the show because it's tough to watch. For no real reason. It's totally fine. The direction's fine. The acting is good. Uh, Catherine Hahn absolutely kills it. The acting is good. The writing is fine. The scoring is fine. The costuming and set is fine. You know? And it just... It just all felt fine. There wasn't anything amazing about it. There's nothing that stood out about it. There's no scene. There's no episode that stood out. It was kind of a plateau the entire season. And that is never a good sign. You want something dynamic. You want not change, but development. You want characters to hook onto. You want, you, you want meat on the bone. You know what I'm saying? It's, Something to grasp, something to fill up your brain, something that'll just get all the senses going while you're watching it. Whether that's an intelligence, you know, a philosophical sense, like I just said with Young Pope, whether that's, oh, his speech is just kind of going in and you're just listening to his deep thoughts and it's providing an eloquence to things, whether it's the direction of a show like winning time, whether it's the direction plus the acting of that show and that sort of aesthetic and visual, not metaphors, but the visual effects they're doing for that show. There's, there should be something about every show that should really capture you. And when a show doesn't do that and just fine the whole time, just kind of putters to the end a little bit, it's disappointing because Obviously, the show probably costs like 50 to 100 million. Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell are great. Catherine Hahn's killing it. Yet, it's just nothing. It's fleeting. It's so, 
I think I said fleeting, vapid, and hollow already, but it is fleeping, <laughs> fleeping, it is fleeting, vapid, and hollow. I don't know if I'll really remember this show in a year. I'll remember having watched it. I'll remember a scene or an exchange or two, but I won't remember big events of the show. I'll remember, you know, like the end, you know, it's the end of a show. It's hard to, but I do think this show will be lost and it'll just be, you know, gone by the wayside. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's going to be drowned out by so many other better shows that not even better shows, just like more interesting shows that actually do something or try to do something. Whereas this, I don't know what it was trying to do. It just told us just a normal story. You know, it's, it's odd that my complaint is that there isn't really any complaints, you know, it's just nothing. It's trying to, it's, it's like you're an art critic and someone just gives you a blank canvas and you're like, well, you know, I kind of see what they're going for. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. A blank canvas. That's, you know, it says something, but is it worth looking at it? Is it worth critiquing? I, 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 I don't know. I, I truly don't know. It's, it's fine. It reminds me of the book, The Auctioneer. If you haven't read The Auctioneer, that's a great book. It reminds me of the book, The Auctioneer, but just not as good. The Auctioneer had a, not a similar plot line, but I think a similar motivation for the plot lines. You know, it kind of had a similar plot line, just a totally different setting, totally different characters. But the, the intentions of the antagonist were the same. There we go. The intentions of the antagonist were the same, but the book made me not want to put it down. The book made me be like, hey, why don't you shoot this guy? Why don't you shoot this guy? Just shoot this guy already. Just fucking shoot this guy. Literally every page. Just shoot this guy. Just shoot this guy. But the shrink next door, I'm like, who cares? I'm just watching. You know, there's there's nothing to think about. There's nothing to do. There's, like I said, there's nothing to grasp onto, and that's... That's, that's pivotal. That's a problem. That's, that's a huge problem. It's detrimental to any sort of show, IP, game, book, comic, manga, play, whatever, dance, uh, ballet, opera, whatever. Whatever artistry, there needs to be a hook. There needs to be something that gets you or other people. And some people might see this show and be like, hey, this is fantastic. But I didn't. And I do believe that is all for this episode of the Noah Davis Watchcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I will see you again next week. Like always, I'm your host, and I'm out of here.